G'day and welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. Today, Mick Hart is our feature guest exclusively for the feed. This is a From the Archives conversation back from a number of years ago. Two years ago, it came to my attention via the ARIA Awards in the In Memorial section that he had passed around this time, in fact, two years ago. Amazing artist, genuine, full-hearted, and always, as you'll hear in a moment, up for a chat. This is a conversation around one of the albums that he released. Dive into the archives. Well, thing, I'm not trying to be like, I'm a reinvented this or that. It's honestly, a mate of mine lent me that Rhodes. Um, I've had it for about... Actually, I've nearly had it for a year. He's a guy from Melbourne. He's, he's over in Japan at the moment. And he, he knew he was going away. And he said, look, you look after He said, write some songs on it. And honestly, those songs were written on the keys. So Let's start the interview. Let's not waste this great material. Yeah, you know. Was, four. That was the vibe. So. <laughs> four, three, <laughs> four, three, two, one. Joining us now is a man who, well, if you think Whitlam's Ben Harper, Gomez, Coldplay, Paul Kelly, Sting, Jimmy Barnes, and of course John Butler of the John Butler Trio, this man has spoken and performed with every single one of them, well, but Jeff Buckley, but that's the second degree of separation. Mick Hart, thanks for joining us. How you going, John? Oh, look, this new album, it is a ripper. Obviously, the uh, Kingsmill has played Silhouette, which I assume is the single off of it. Well, I don't, I don't know what they're doing there. Um, they played... I think they're picking up Sweet Consequence because he played both and um, there's talk of that. I think it is Consequence is the one they're sort of going for. So, I mean, with me, I, I don't like forcing it. It's, you know, they can pick whatever they want, really. Anyone can. It's, it's also not an album of singles. I know, um, obviously, we opened a show up uh, two Mondays ago, two Mondays ago, um, yep. with Low. Yeah, cool. We thought we'll just start with that, give it a yeah, bit of a Guernsey. Unreal, unreal. But the tune you played for us at the Thebton Theatre in, called Find the Day is the opening tune. You've added some keyboards. Explain to the listener why you, um, well, interpreted some keyboards. You did it live with the guitar and there was tears happening. <laughs> keyboard, it works on the second listen. Why the keyboard? Have you got someone else new in or what's happening? No, no, that's, that's me all the way. It's kind of, to tell the truth, um, I would have played it for you that first time on keyboard had I had one there, but <laughs> I didn't. But that song um, and a few others on the album were, um, a mate of mine lent me a Rhodes keyboard and he's overseas at the moment and he basically said, look, I know you'll dig this, go and write some songs on it. And that was one of the first songs I wrote and it, and it just, you know, writing on a new instrument just brings out different different emotions and different territory in your writing and that's that's where that song came from and it it just feels really beautiful on that i guess it's probably a bit strange for you because you you first heard it on guitar but it's it really um it's i don't know it just kind of really takes me away and when we've um done it live with the full band set up it just totally works i mean the guitar's in there as well on the album but that was that was the vibe so the cd copy i got which i mentioned to listeners uh doesn't have any notes no details i don't know who's playing what when why and everything else exactly i've got to um it's just a burnt a copy so walk us through is (laughs) naomi still there who who's still in the band totally it's um and and firstly reasoning for your for your burn copy was that we'd left things so late hence our being independent again, this is the world you're in, but we actually only just got the actual CDs on the afternoon of our big Metro launch in Sydney. So, Which was the 17th of May. Yeah, all, but always when we sent the um, the burns out, we, we basically had to get some up to send out, you know, pre 
pre-kind of release date, I guess, mm. and uh, that's why. So I'm very sorry about that. Talk to us. Who's on the lineup, though? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the same same guys that we've got together, which is um, Naomi on violin, Jerry on drums, Guy on bass. I'm actually playing bass on um, I think about four songs on the album, which was not to diss Guy at all. It was just it was just a fun thing, and Guy was up in Byron at the time. This album was a lot more. Um, kind of leisurely the way it went down which is a really cool thing we were in a great headspace and we took time off the road and just kind of chipped away at it in the last few months and I love playing bass too and that's that's what happened a couple of the new songs I've just sort of put it down and Guy loves them as well he's great on it so um, and the keyboard stuff all the road stuff is, is myself as I said um, with the mate that lent me the keys and mm-hmm. there's a, a guest um, friend of ours who's a wicked Hammond organist and he's he's kind of in there I think about three or four songs as well so, so this isn't the album with Ben Harper but we can expect that soon oh man yeah <laughs> I hope so I mean uh, and and a, a great story I spoke to Ben after halfway through the album and he's like man I'll send you I'll send you my lap steel which one do you want which one do you want and I I was just so blown away that he was going to do it. And he was going to do it. He was he was actually, he said, I'll send it today. It'll be there in a couple of days. And in sort of, I didn't want to exploit the situation. And I'd already done my lap steel parts on, on this awesome lappy that a guy from Byron had made me. And mm. um, so it, it just felt so special, though, to kind of have that kind of friendship there still with Ben. And as far as um, we will do something, I'm sure, in the future, it's just if you, if you don't push it and don't exploit it, it friendships will remain and that's I think it's all part of the journey of music and you know Mick I don't want to I don't want to blow up your ego here but because I had no liner notes I actually thought it was Ben Harper I'm not kidding you <laughs> unreal I'm not sure what Ben would think of me but I'm never going to meet him so you know oh he's wicked man he's great wow that's awesome thanks <laughs> you know that last deal is just sounding incredible um, the actual sound of it that I'm, I'm not blowing up my playing. Just the guy that made it for me is this young guy in Byron, and it's actually a, it's a Weizenborn copy, which is what Ben uses. And this guy put all his love into it in making it. He's made this incredible instrument, and it just it just explodes when you play it. It's just it's an enormous wild ride when you when you're playing it. And the, so we're really happy with those sounds on there for sure. Would you agree? This is talking about the the love making in, in the instrument. If the instrument is made with love, care, respect, and individuality, it is going to come across with the right type of performer. I reckon it, t- it totally is. It, uh, it definitely gives me an extra special energy in playing it to know how much love went into it. And, and this guy's only ever made a, f- a few of them in his life, and he just he. I, I just spoke to him once at the Byron Blues Fest and told him what I was sort of... I, I actually had a, a Gibson lap steel. That's a, it's an awesome one as well. It's a kind of 1950s one, but it's a solid body. And I was saying how I wanted... I was looking for something like what Ben uses, but they're just hard to come. You can't find them anywhere. And I hadn't ordered it or anything like that, and he didn't force it on me, but he just... In, in a few months, he, he um, built this beautiful instrument next time I was up there he just showed me and said have a go and I just fell in love with it and knew that how much he'd put into it and it's it's just it does shine through in the instrument I reckon the band that will be touring last time it was just yourself this time do we get to see Mick Hart the full band (laughs) you're gonna kill me but it's reasoning that we're doing the grace you're saying no aren't you me and Jerry it's the two of us 
It's it's a stepping stone thing, and and I have. You and Nomi have had a breaking out. You said last time you hadn't. There's something going on. No, I've got to I've got to be completely completely honest. You're going to break the news that she's Mirabai, aren't you? Mirabai, exactly. No. <laughs> no, actually, we're bringing Mirabai instead. No, uh, it's it's. Start um, voting now. One nine hundred triple five oh one six no oh one seven. Don't ask me why I know that. Oh man. No, I've got to be completely honest. It's it's. And this sounds petty, but it's purely down to finances. And I'm, I'm independent now and don't have any support from anywhere. And it just costs a lot of money to tour a band around the country. And I actually lost a lot of money last year and had a lot of um, financial hardship at the end of the last year. And I've had to do a lot of rethinking and kind of... It, there's a strategic plan in there to just get us all... It's not to say we really um, are confident the band's going to be back in a couple of months, but just in this run, it just it's the way it's worked out and we have to just step it up, which is why the Grace is a free gig and we just want to have punters coming along and, and hopefully digging the new music and um, enjoying the experience and people that don't know us, you know, to come along and take a look and then... Then we'll hopefully follow up with a big band show, you know, in a, in a month or two's time. I, I need to stress that. That is a free show. It was going to be one of the questions yeah, to I you. Mean, but that's part of it, too, because as, as you can imagine, um, down to logistics, uh, that to tour a whole band, a band costs a lot of money. And, you know, Greg's a great guy at the Grace, and I really wanted to re repay the fact that I had to pull out of a show last December, just before Falls, because I was really, really sick. And... Um, had to pull out of that one, as you know, John, and, and I've, I've felt bad about that ever since because I've never kind of cancelled anything. Let's talk the album now. Upside down in the full face of optimism. You are one man who needs to be optimistic after Festival Mushroom gave you the boot. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's kind of... Um, I, I, that, that title actually came from a, a, just a song I was mucking around with late last year and it, just the lyrics came out as this really cool twisted lyrics and that, that particular line I, I just went man that's got to be the next album title it just felt right and it and it's stuck ever since and it, it it's kind of helped shape the album in a way I think it's it's basically to me it's kind of just saying you know, reaffirming eternal optimism but um, in myself that I'm still a bit of a screw up so <laughs> in a cool way like I don't want to be too normal and that's sort of I guess what it's what it's about so yeah, if you look at something. if you look at the bigger picture though are you optimistic of the worldwide picture or just your own future um, because yeah, I am yeah you I, are it's hard I, I mean there's horrible things going on in the world but there's a lot of beautiful things going on as well and I think you just got to I'm trying to just dwell on more of the positives and um, and just m kind of making the most of life and getting getting what you can out of it and sharing these experiences and I think um, that kind of energy is on this album. The fact that it's I think this album is definitely a lot more positive than the last and a lot more um, it's got a more peaceful energy to it in the way it flows um, and I think that's kind of where I am at the moment in life and and hopefully it can make other people feel the same way you know if people can get something out of it and as far as um, musical optimism um, I just want to keep following this journey and a big part of the plan this year is I'm going to be relocating to um, France for about six months or so um, towards the end of the year to further some great opportunities that have been going on over there and sort of you know just take the next step in in music and life and inspiration give it a go opportunity overseas 
a lot of the time means lack of opportunity back here in Australia. It can do. Um, obviously, you know, no one liked getting dropped from anything. We, we actually probably didn't... It wasn't like... They didn't go, you're dropped. I mean, you know the full story, John, mm. I know we've had a good chat about it. But they, they basically... My big thing was that I knew they'd sort of um, dropped off in their kind of support with us and it was because we didn't sell huge, huge numbers of the first album, although they were really happy with it and we got great reviews and response. Mm. Unfortunately, the market in Australia is getting more and more cutthroat and there's so many bands getting dropped and, I mean, they're getting a bit... I think they're getting a bit lost in themselves as well because there's a lot of fantastic artists who are achieving things independently like John Butler's the prime example and uh, he's done it all himself and he's he's got this amazing thing going on he's sold an he's sold an amazing amount of albums and hasn't had to go through a, a major record company marketing thing he's, and it, it can be done and I think there's a bit of fear in that from the big companies and it's a shame that they're just not nurturing artists through more for music's sake and career's sake instead they're kind of looking it's just like cutthroat marketing if there's not instant profits they kind of move on to the next thing and it's not really a good good way to be I don't think but you know let's move yeah. through some of the tunes on the album which I think uh, in light might, may or may not reflect this uh, su- Sweet Consequences we mentioned may be one of the singles yep. although that's not what this album's about it's not about singles Yeah. it's about putting your headphones on sitting at home on a Saturday evening and enjoying the music awesome man I, th- I think it's kind of I love albums that are sort of like movies mm-hmm. you know start to finish you really enjoy the whole picture and um I hope that this one's got a bit more of that in it. It's kind of I've really kind of tried and worked really hard on the flow of it and the, the kind of feel that it takes you away. So exactly, I see what you mean. It wasn't just throwing a bunch of songs and trying to have catchy singles and rely on this or that. It was the whole soundscape. But the singles will still come, as we're mentioning. Yeah. I think Silhouette, maybe Sweet, Sweet Consequence, because it's part of the marketing drive to get the album out there so people know, get the commercial oh, airplay, etc. Yeah, yeah. So talk us through Sweet Consequence. Is it connected with being dropped? It's hard to tell. Is it another uh, love romance tale? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a weird one, that one. It's kind of... Um, when I wrote that, um, I was still with Mushroom... Um, I can't. I think I wrote that sort of mid last year. It was just sort of how I was feeling at the time. It was actually knowing there was a few things kind of falling down around me, and a, a few negative things going on. But it basically was showing this. I'd kind of found this new. Um, how do I say? Just sort of a hope for the future, and it kind of basically a, a contentment and happiness and in friendship and stuff like that. So it's it's not really a bitterness thing. It's mm. just sort of. Optimistic, it's maybe. optimistic, yeah. 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 And because I see that song, and that's why I think it may be the single uh, psychologically for you as well, in terms of being, even though it's like the fourth tune, it's sort of a hinge of the album. Yeah, totally. It's a peak of, hey, this is pretty good, even though, you know, the three tracks this side and the other tracks the other side may not be as stable for you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, and it's, I mean, it's just what we go through in life. You go through these ups and downs and stuff like that. But it's it, it's all reflection of personality. It's what it's always been with my songwriting, like true stories and stuff like that. But it kind of this is that sort of shows where it's at, I guess. I, I know what you mean. It sort of definitely kind of fits in with the whole vibe of the album and and the title and everything else. It's, there's hope in there somewhere. I'm just going to take a moment to remember. It's uh, face in the water. 
pretty short. Seven yeah. minutes. You, you don't care that it takes seven minutes because it needs seven minutes. Talk us through Face in the Water, which we'll play totally. for you. Totally. I think um, certain songs, you know, you'll, you'll kind of, you'll reach this point and go, this song really has something. This is this has really got something. There was a song called Chameleon on the last album, which everyone loved, but it was the same. It was about seven minutes. And everyone said, oh, you've got to, no, you need to chop it down and make it a catchy single. But to me, that, once again, that's like a short film. It's, it's Everything in there is in there for a reason. It's telling a story, and it's an unforced story. If you start to edit it and try and make it into a catchy, catchy sort of thing, it takes away from the kind of effortlessness in telling the story I think and it's you know how that's the face in the water it just mm. eases in and it's kind of a same thing it's a really um, it's quite trippy that song it's I mean there's a lot of sadness in there but same it's it's sort of it's a bit kind of lost and a bit weird in the lyrics but it's it basically the whole idea is that it really takes you away and gives you that feeling of sort of kind of lost in the middle of something that you're not too sure about but you're still not completely lost. Uh, that sounds a bit confusing, I know. No, it makes sense, though, in that um, the emotion, and emotions can be like that sometimes, totally, a, a mirror of confusion. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Let, let's talk about emotion. Butterfly was the single that uh, pulled everyone's heartstrings. It was uh, the most touching song off the last album. Yeah. Everyone saw that as being the ballad, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Find the Day, maybe not the ballad, but is going to be that heart-wrenching song. And you put it on the beginning of the album. I don't know what that says. <laughs> we need to talk about this song because, as, yeah. I, as we've already mentioned, I've heard an acoustic version where we played quite regularly, like even a couple of weeks ago. We were still pulling it out and playing, uh, knowing that this album was coming out. Find the Day is a story about suicide. Have you contended yourself with this yet? And is it going to be a song you won't want to play live ever again? No, I, I, I actually love it. It's kind of the opposite, and that's why it's... Um it's why it's first song in the album in a way because I, one, I didn't want to have something for, so I, I love the way it gently just eases you into the album in, in, in the album context. But in the actual song, it was, it was written for a, a, a friend who committed suicide and it was, a, of course, like such a, a horrible, horribly sad experience and, you know, and, and it's just so many people have gone through that and it's, but it's basically trying to, to say that there's still a lot of beauty and hope in the world and, and kind of treasure that and treasure your friends and try and not let people get so, you know, alone that they feel they can't turn to someone. And mm. it's, basically there's a lot of hope in that song and that's why I do... It's, it's sad, but the hope element is I'm trying to hope that people will kind of feel that as well and, and reach that. And that sort of sets up that emotion for the album and playing it live... It's 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 just beautifully emotional. It's 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 pretty heavy to play, but I definitely don't regret playing it. I, I love playing it, and it's already on the tour that when we've been doing it, it's just been such a special one to do, and it's been very stirring in the, in the concert. So, the sense of social consciousness that you as a performer have, Mick. Uh, now that the public are getting to know you, and you get to know the public, are you feeling a little bit more shyer now? Uh, I've always been shy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm definitely not hiding anything in in, in a lyrical sense, um, but no, I think I think I'll always be a bit shy. But I, I I love the I just love the connection that you that you get with people, and I I love it when they can feel it when it's not sort of rammed down their throat. It's not forced upon them, and you know you can just draw your own experiences from each song and. 
Um, Do you think your musical style helps with that in terms of a, a combination of blues, acoustic, uh, well, acoustic, as well as rock all thrown in together? Yeah, I think so, because the, the, the diversity, for one, and also the kind of rootsy earthiness as well that, mm. you know, you can tap into because it's real. And, and, and then lastly, like, lyrically, that... It's, they all are kind of very truthful lyrics, whatever they're about, if they're about me or friends or people I've never, I don't even know that I've just observed or been inspired by or things that I've dreamt up. They, they, they're telling real stories, and I think that that's, that's what I love about other songwriters, you know, that if there's a real story in there, you can really get off on it and relate to it in some way, and, and it sort of makes you, I guess think a little bit more in the song rather than it just being some kind of marketable catchy pop thing or something you know obviously I'm not in that kind of mm. territory so. but with Nomi's work uh, Nomi from, uh, being from your group yeah. uh, her work with Coda out there in terms of the overlapping and everything else they've done is the idea still germinating in your head of with respect a remix of your song oh totally I, I mean man i I would love that. Once again, it's down to finances, but, mm. you know, if anyone wants to do any remixes, that'd be cool. Oh, I only mentioned that because I only found out a week and a half ago, and I'll, I'll just uh, mention this now. A mate of mine who I hadn't spoken to for a long time, I used to manage one of his bands, uh, was coming in town, and he told me he did a remix for Daniel Spencer. I said, well, mate, you know, you've sold out. Unreal. Interesting that these independent remixes are now, I guess, for a bit of cash are taking on board some more independent uh, thought into... Yeah, I think it's cool because it's... They're, they're all, um, you know, like we say, we're talking about movies or mm. paintings or whatever, and they can go in so many different ways. Like when you... It's actually quite a... It's, it can be a, such a draining process when you get in and mix a song because, you know, the subtlest little balance differences can completely turn songs into a completely different thing in some ways in a better way in some ways it can totally destroy the whole emotion of it but this remix wise it's just i think it's great it just it can throw a new slant on things and just you know it's it's all music and it should be celebrated in that and be continually creative and that's what that's what that's about and we're not necessarily so. talking techno beating no, beats. Exactly. For example, here I'm talking yeah. like a very minimalist approach. Uh, he did, he's done um, uh, a Blue Moon remix, that's his, of course, DJ mixy name thing, yeah, yeah. of uh, White Monkey, which initially was uh, just a pop, poppy rocky song, and now is like this full-on ambient blue song. Unreal. I mean, that's it. That's, that's the beauty of when you get stuff on tape, you can do so much with it. Like, there's, uh, for example, um, I've just been listening to a lot of Jeff Buckley again lately, largely because I'm doing this tribute night tomorrow night in Sydney, which is going to be unreal. But there's, a, I remember hearing a, um, uh, one of the interviews, I think it was Michael Ty talking about, um, there's a song called You and I that's on the last side of side one of Sketches, Buckley's album. And it's just his vocal in reverb, and that's it. And it's just this really haunting, trippy thing. But apparently... Um, he did that song on guitar, and you know, and what they've done, they just left the guitar out. Like, there's a version of that with him, you know, I guess more traditionally just kind of, I don't know, even, you know, finger-picking or strumming away or however the song would go. But it's like, I mean, that's, that just blows me away. It's just, it's, there's so many things you can do with mixes, so, which is cool. Just finally, because I know we're going to be wrapped up and you've yeah. got other, other media to do, a bit of an abstract question. I like finishing on these. Describe to us 
a vivid vision of artistic beauty that you've seen that's made you feel optimistic in the last uh, couple of days or week? Wow, vivid vision of art. You know what I mean? So you might have been walking around and you're going, I need to look at that. I need to be inspired. What's been happening for you in the last oh, week man. or a couple of days? Wow. Um, you know what? I mean, this sounds really cliched, but I got, I got American Beauty out um, about three or four days ago, honestly. And you know that scene with the the bag that's just blowing in the wind and it's just blowing around. It's so cliche to kind of pick up on that, but mm-hmm. honestly, it just, you can't help but being stirred by that and go, wow, like, you know, there's so many different ways you can look at the world and see beauty in it. And um, so probably the freshest thing I've, I've seen was that, because I actually hadn't seen that movie. Since. I saw it at the movies when it came out and I hadn't seen it since, and it was like, oh, man, it's just, you know, if you, if you just kind of approach the world and just different things in different ways there's there's such beauty out there so i mean you've been stuck inside a lot haven't you (laughs) that's probably it i've been i've had cabin fever because i've been stuck in a studio for the last five months so the other part of the beauty would would in a more realistic way be uh, my last gig was in Newcastle last Saturday. And oh, hey, we're going to talk about this. It You're was, back at the Northern Star. Yeah, it was the best gig we've ever had there. It was it sold out and they, you know how normally everyone's sitting and stuff, they had to take all the chairs out. Everyone was standing because it was so packed. But just the smiles on people's faces and the to see, you know, how they're getting off on the music, that's beauty for me and that's inspiration to just keep going because that's, that's why I do it in the first place. Outside of all the other reasons, it's to create songs and share them with people. And you just you go away with this beautiful feeling in your heart to know that it's connecting with other people. And, I mean, that's probably the more inspiring thing recently, I guess. The love of being back out on the road playing live because we, we haven't done a gig um, since Fall Fest. So, wow. Yeah. So this is the first run of gigs? It uh, totally is. We've done three shows. We did the Metro, that we did Wollongong, then we did the Northern Star. A few more to come, and then you'll be here June 8th at the Grace Emily Hotel, a free gig. Can't wait. Mick Hart, thanks for your time. Awesome. Mick Hart, who passed away on the 25th of August 2020, back from 2002 on the promotion of Upside Down in the Full Face of Optimism, the album was nominated for an ARIA for Best Blues and Roots Album of the same year. Also that year, Mirabai, the violinist, entered the Big Brother house, who we both knew, and that's what that was in regards to during that chat. There's also, as was also mentioned, an interview done prior to that at the front bar of the Thebden Theatre, which include a very moving rendition of Find the Day. I will need to find that somewhere in the archives for another time. In fact, we had regular chats, myself and Mick, over the years about his music, and every time he delivered an open heart to the conversations that we had. Next time, a full episode of Radio Notes will be in both the feed, but also on the website as well. Coming up will be with Misty River. Speaking about violinists, uh, as Mirabai is, Misty River has been the violinist for the likes of Sinead O'Connor. That's coming up next time here on Radio Notes.